because I felt so full and overwhelmed and busy, it was harder for me to parent him in those days, but I did the best that I could. Welcome to Precarious Parenting, the podcast series for people feeling overwhelmed by family life in general. Do you often wonder whether you're doing it right? Or do you wonder whether it's okay to be just a good enough parent? My name is Marie Arimar, founder of Realization Works, guiding young people and parents back to clearer thinking. And this podcast series provides the opportunity to hear real people sharing real stories about how they manage to see beyond their overwhelm. So today I'm speaking to Lindsay Elliott. And Lindsay Elliott um, works as a transformational coach, predominantly with working mums. And the reason why I've asked Lindsay to join me today is uh, I really want to talk about her experience of lockdown and really what it's meant for her in relation to her family world. So hello, Lindsay. Hi, Marie. Thanks for having me here. It's really good to see you. So could you explain your setup at home? Yes, yeah. So um, I live, um, I live in Brighton, in case anybody wants to know that, beautiful Brighton, with my um, husband and my son, who is seven. So our setup at home is before uh, lockdown, was that my husband um, works uh, three days a week in London and then two days a week at home. So we have a space here at home for homeworking. Mm. And... Um, I work part-time um, as a coach with, uh, during school hours, basically, is the, is, is the normal setup. So, um, and occasionally at weekends and evenings, but mostly my working day is while my son Elijah is at school. Um, obviously, post-lockdown, that has looked significantly different <laughs> um, because my husband is now five days a week at home. And I am, uh, and along with him, we are busy sort of juggling homeschooling and working. So it's, yeah, it's kind of done a bit of a, um, well, a massive life for so many people. A really big change has happened in our working lives for the moment. Mm. And and when, when we started to hear about COVID-19 and then it built up to uh, mm. March the 21st, you know, what, what did you experience? What? I know that you had quite a reaction to the, the concept of this coronavirus. Could you share that with us? Yeah, sure. Um, I think in the sort of lead, it was funny, because in the lead up to it, the sort of few weeks before, I was, I was really quite dismissive of it, to be honest. I was like, oh, it's just like a flu, and, you know, and I really wasn't worried about it. Um, and then as it sort of started to get a bit more real if you like as it looked like there were cases spreading and then suddenly there was talk about schools closing and I was like what no and I kept saying they're not going to do it they're not going to close the schools um and I just wasn't that worried about it um but then when the you know as it became clear that we were going to go into lockdown which was you know a whole new common it's such a you know, such a, a well-known phrase now within our um, mm. world. And it's not something that, you know, you hear outside of prisons, really. Um, so, um, you know, when I heard we were going to go into lockdown and my son's, well, all schools were going to be closing, I have to say, I felt my initial reaction was I felt very shocked. 
you know, I think like a lot of people around me, it felt as if, yes, there had been some build-up, but it was just seemed a bit like all of a sudden life is drastically changing, you know, dramatically in the most dramatic way. And, you know, and the thought of not being able, because my parents live in London, not being able to see my parents. My brother only lives around the corner, but not being able to see anybody really other than my husband and my son. So I felt really, I did feel quite... um, shocked and a bit panicky and you know when I went for my you know to take my son to his last day at school I had the, the deputy head called me in the playground and I burst into tears and I was you know really quite emotional about him not going to school for whatever period and we just didn't know how long that would be and I think I also thought oh it'll only be three weeks you know and everyone was saying or some people were saying oh, it's going to be till September I was like no 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 it won't be so again you know there's all the way along there's been these adjustments to make and then during the first week of lockdown I did it, I did have a few days when I felt incredibly anxious so suddenly I started to get really worried about having COVID so my, um, the place that my mind likes to go to, because I think we all have a place that our minds like to go to. Um, you know, for some people it's, they'll go to being angry. Some people they'll go to putting themselves down. Some people they'll go to being depressed or sad. And my mind just habitually likes to go to anxiety and particularly a bit of anxiety about my health. So I did have a couple of days when I felt dreadful. I literally couldn't eat. I was convinced I was coming down with it. You know, my mind took me on a really merry ride and it was really uncomfortable. And I felt, um, you know, I felt like I was just hanging on to get through the day and doing my best to just parent my son. And, you know, in those first few days, you know, I was trying to work out, A, I was having lots of anxious feelings coming through me, uh, lots of worry about my body and my health or my husband's health, my son's health, my mum and dad's health also trying to rearrange work how am I going to keep up with my clients how am I going to homeschool and work you know there was just an all and also then because I'm you know in, in our household I do the cooking and the shopping so there was some mad booking of Tesco slots as many as I could and worrying about who it was just a real storm like it was for so many people you know when all of a sudden one day life is like this and then the next day it's totally different so there were some real genuine struggles at the beginning. Um, so that was my sort of immediate reaction. But but all the time that that was going on, because I know how my mind works and I know that I'm feeling what I'm thinking about as opposed to feeling a circumstance in life, there was a, still a sense underneath all of that really intense experience that it was okay and that I was okay and that it was going to be okay, even if I did get COVID and I got on well, you know, my mind was, was tripping off into what happens, who's going to look after me, like, you know, all of it, it was trying to plan and work things out to feel safe. And, you know, it's just what minds do. It is. And slowly I started to, to remember and to wake up. And my mind was to just gone into overdrive, gone into planning, gone into, I heard Amy Johnson, who's another coach um, by, uh, enjoy hearing uh, using the word panic so planning and panicking together I definitely went into a lot of panic about things but you know slowly but surely because this is again is what minds do they settle down my mind started to settle down and my experience got a bit easier 
It's really interesting listening to you. And I think that there would be so many people who'd resonate with what you've just said. And, mm. you know, what I've heard is the thought of having to take on all those roles let alone mm. any feelings of fear coming in about yeah. things that may or may not happen in the future is exhausting. And I'd just like to go back really just, you know, the, those, those physical symptoms that showed up for you. Mm. How long, how long did they last? Are they still with you? You know, what, what was your experience mm. of those? Because I can really imagine other um, parents, probably mums, Mm. really being able to resonate with that yeah absolutely yeah I mean the I would say probably the intense sort of physical experience when I did feel very anxious was probably two two three days and yeah and absolutely you know it was literally my appetite I did I, I ate but just you know a banana and a smoothie and that was it you know literally my appetite I felt sick at the thought of eating and, you know, and I felt uh, really revved up and butterflies in my stomach and my heart was racing, not all day, you know, but for um, a large portion of those two or three days, it was really uncomfortable um, because, you know, I know that whatever is running through our minds, it affects our physiology. You know, that's the point of the, you know, the fear response is designed to make our heart beat faster. It is designed to shut off our digestion so that all of our energy and our blood runs to our, you know, goes to our limbs and our brain so that we can fight or flight. And basically, I just spent two or three days in not constant, but a pretty intense fight or flight experience. Mm. So, you know, it makes sense that all of those physical symptoms happen to you when you're in a human body, because it's actually our physiology attempting to help us, you know, because our mind is spinning out in lots of imagined scenarios and the physiology needs to keep up with that. And now, um, yeah, I mean, I still have moments when it passes across my mind. What about if as now lockdown is, um, you know, easing? What about if we get COVID? You know, what about as we start to go out? What about if now I get ill? You know, but the, the experience is much more fleeting now. You know, I mean, I because I just see that this is where my mind has started to go for the time being it just likes to have a little obsess about it and my mind has no idea it's got no clue whether I'm going to catch COVID or not it doesn't know it can't predict the future so I know that when that feeling comes it brings that slightly tense feeling in my body it makes me go you know and all I do is I just try to relax into it knowing that that feeling is coming from my thinking my thought in the moment and it's doing its job. It's my body doing its job perfectly. It's my physiology working. And also that this thought's going to pass across my mind and my mind doesn't know whether I'm going to get COVID or not. It's got no idea. So I can just let that be there and then let that pass on. So physical stuff still happens, but it's just knowing that that's okay and that it's safe and that it passes. So it could be fair to say that um, your physical symptoms could be quite useful in you recognising what's going on for you. Absolutely, absolutely. For me, they, 
you know, I'm human. They feel uncomfortable. I'd rather that they weren't there. I'm like, you know, like anybody else, I'd rather be feeling peaceful and contented all of the time. Like I do now, you know, most of the time I feel good. I feel happy. But you're absolutely right, Marie. Those physical symptoms are there to wake me up to what's going on in my mind. If, if my awareness hasn't already caught onto it, that I've got some anxious, fearful, future-related thinking, some imaginary thinking going on. And those physical symptoms are like the, you know, like the rumble, you know, like the rumble strips on the side of the motorway, that if you're veering off about to go, they go brrr. And that's exactly what those physical symptoms are. They're just a rumble strip. They're not letting me know about COVID and my chances of catching it or the state of the economy or when my son's going to go back to school or what's going to happen with my business. Those feelings aren't letting me know. That rumble strip isn't letting me know about that. It's letting me know that my mind's gone off into la-la land. It isn't in reality of what's here and what's now. Mm. So, yeah, they're, they're like a warning light. They're an incredibly, incredibly intelligent warning system. Mm. It's lovely. So I love I love what you said um, uh, about planet. <laughs> mm, yeah, not mine. I wish it was my word, but it's not. <laughs> yes, no. I, I it's a great word, and um, it would be really good. So talk to me a little bit more about about planet and and what does that mean for you now? What does planet mm. look like to you now at this point in lockdown and? the global Mm. situation yeah I think now that I am generally just feeling much more settled um as actually I think you know a lot of people probably are now with the lockdown situation with how our our changed lives are because this is this is what happens naturally for humans we adjust we change we adapt, we grow to whatever is put in front of us. So now that things are more settled, if I get into a revved up state, if my thinking about something in the future starts to look urgent and pressing that I do need to organise something or plan something, I know that that is not a signal to charge forward and start doing that planning and making those, you know, arrangements and trying to um, have a plan for X, Y, and Z should X, Y, or Z happen. I know that in that moment, if I'm feeling urgent, anxious, revved up, that's the time to just step back and wait. That's the time just to let it go. And know that when my mind settles down, when my physiology settles down, if there's something that I need to plan, then that will occur to me with a much different energy behind it, with a much calmer, more peaceful energy behind it. It's like your logic comes back into it, your common sense comes back into it, as opposed to listening to all of the um, pressurised, busy, repetitive thinking. It's just about dropping down. Uh, because our minds always naturally settle and I only try to do any kind of planning that I might need to do, you know, for my business or, you know, I'm still, I still book my Tesco slots every week, you know, I still am making sure that I, you know, we've got provision without going out too much. Um, and 
you know, it, it's just, no, for me, it's knowing when is a good state of mind to make decisions. When is a good state of mind to do any planning that doesn't come from a place of fear or panic or anxiety, which is never good. It never leads to good decisions. It doesn't, you know. You know, making decisions about who I'm going to see and who I'm not going to see. Sometimes I can get caught up in that because this whole thing about am I going to catch COVID comes up, you know, and I'm sort of, I find myself like, well, have they been going into work? Have they been going? Have they been going? And I know, no, no, let's not go down that road. Wait until things are settled. Wait until the mind is settled. And then I'll know who I want to hang out with, how much I want to be going out and opening up into the wider world, you know, from that place of common sense and wisdom, really. Mm. I often think about the Yorkshire saying, if in doubt, do nout. And, you know, the the noisy (laughs) head that you're talking about is just not a good place to make a decision. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm. yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, so... At the, at the height of, of the time when you were feeling that you had physical symptoms, that you were feeling really caught up in, you know, forgive me for the term, but it sounds a bit like catastrophe thinking, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about things that might happen as a consequence of, of, of right now, which of course we, we will never know. We can't know that. How did that affect um, your husband and son at home you know did you did you did you notice anything when you were feeling really um, uptight or, or physically ill mm. was there any difference to the times when you weren't what with them yeah yeah I think I think for my husband um I think because I was able to talk very honestly with him about how I was feeling mm. and really he just, you know, he, he, he knows better than to try to offer solutions because, you know, I know, I know what the solution is. Mm. Um, but, you know, he would just keep pointing me back to what was here and what was now and, you know, and having compassion for where my mind was going to. And, and you know, it's interesting because it was also a really, you know, in, in, within even those even within those few intense days, I I had moments of clarity where I could see, you know, my husband's reaction to this is so different to mine Mm. that it can't, it's not the circumstance creating it. Otherwise he would be feeling as anxious as I am. And he just wasn't, Mm. he wasn't. Not saying he didn't feel at all worried about it, but he was just had a completely different experience to me. And And that was actually very useful because as he was, as, it, as we talked about how he was feeling, how I was feeling, you know, he, I could just see even more clearly it was coming from within me and not from the situation, you know, and he just gave me um, support when I needed it and space when I needed it just to, you know, kind of be off of mummy duty when I needed it. And with my son, I think, look, you know, I'm rightly or wrongly, I think I tried not to hide it from him, but not to, I certainly didn't want to be talking to him about how anxious I felt. I tried to put a bit of a face on it, if you like, because he had just, he had just gone through school, his clothing, he's going to be homeschooled. He went, he was going through a massive change himself. But, you know, I did find that I, but when, from, because I was feeling unsettled and anxious, I noticed that I shouted at him more than, more than I did, more than I'm, more than I usually do. 
Um, which I then, you know, was kind of a bit like wanted to go into beating myself up about, but I know better than that. So I just kind of let that go and I apologised to him. So, you know, I think he probably, that's if, if he could have reflected back, I think he probably might have said mommy was a bit more angry, if anything, you know, a bit more impatient, a bit more irritable than normal because that kind of was how the anxiety was manifesting with him was just kind of like because it's you know when you're feeling really mentally overwhelmed and anxious if a child makes a demand on you it feels like another you know like I can't cope I can't because your mind's already so full you know when your mind is quiet and settled if a child asks you to do something you're like yeah of course I can even if you've got five things that you're currently trying to get done you know so I just noticed that that because I felt so full and overwhelmed and busy it was harder for it felt harder for me to parent him in those days but I did the best that I could and I was you know compassionate with myself as well because also I knew it would pass I knew it would pass and I know that any time that I feel that I screw up with my son I know that I can you know we, we talk about it you know he'll say to me mummy is in fact he did say to me those days, mummy is your head full right now because that's how I sort of explain <laughs> it to him I say to him my head's really I'm really sorry darling for whatever I've done x y and z you know shouted or been grumpy or been impatient mummy's head's really full right now and so he'll ask me is your head and I say yeah my head's really full darling I'm really sorry it's nothing to do with you nothing to do with you so hmm. It's lovely because, you know, what I'm hearing is that you're really, you know, kind to yourself as a parent, mm. you know, and I don't often hear that, you know, mm. you were able to really see that, that your, your noisy or your busy head, as you say, is really sort of getting in your own way. Absolutely. And, and, mm. that, and, and were you able to find that in those really intense few days, was that that something that you could see there and then or was that something that you know evolved after those intense few days of you know near both. the start mm, both I think there was as I say there was because when we really look at an experience or a feeling or an emotion even though people will say you know my clients say to me I'm anxious all the time is what people say I'm depressed all the time but when we look really closely at our experience, we will notice that, yes, the predominant emotion may be one of those. But there will be, even if it's only slight, there will be movement over the day with that. Mm. It's never 100, you know, we cannot stay in any emotion or any thought 100% of the time. It's just not possible. It's not how we're built as human beings. So even though, you know, let's I'll put a made-up percentage on it, even though 80-90% of those two or three days I was feeling pretty intensely fight or flight, there was 10-20% when I wasn't. Suddenly I, I was absorbed in a task ahead of me or I'm cuddling, mostly it happens when I'm cuddling my son and I drop out of my thinking and, you know, I feel good. And... So I did, so there were moments of clarity, absolutely, where I could see what was going on. And that's why I knew I was okay. Mm. Because I could see what was going on. And I could see that I was getting reactive with my son because I was feeling scared. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing to do with him. Everything to do with just how I was feeling. And so when I had those, you know, at the end of the day when we're doing bedtime books, that's when I have a talk to him. You know, and I apologise for whatever I need to apologise for. 
we have a kiss and cuddle and we make up. Because what he doesn't need on top of whatever experience his mum and dad are going through is then a mum and dad who are hard on themselves and who are beating themselves up because that just prolongs prolongs you being absent or not absent, but, you know, kind of not quite there as a parent because you're caught up in the beating yourself up and the internal, oh, I should be better, I should be doing this, I should, why aren't I doing, why aren't I like that person? Why that just keeps you distracted from being present with your child. And that's all children really want is your attention, your love, your care. So I know that if I've gone through a rough patch with anything in my life, you know, not just COVID and lockdown, is that, that then progressing to beat myself up about how my behaviour has been serves nobody. And certainly doesn't serve the child that I'm feeling, might be feeling guilty about how I've treated him, you know. And, you know, because also we, you know, we allow that for him too. He can get angry, he can shout, he can do whatever he needs to do, but we apologise afterwards. Mm. We just, as much as we can, allow ourselves to be human. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Allow ourselves to be human. So as we, as we move through and moving back into this, oh, I can't bear to say it, but this new normal, <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> I feel like it's important to talk about physical symptoms again for anybody else who's listening as we move now into this new normal what would you say to other parents who could can really resonate with your story can resonate with with feeling so uptight and feeling um really concerned about things that may or may not happen in the future Mm. what would you say to them now about about the next transition into this new phase? Mm. Mm. I think there's two things that I have found incredibly helpful. Um, One is to know and to notice when my mind is going off into the future. So... And just to know that this is a part of, I think, the human condition. It's just what minds do because our our personal mind believes that our safety and security is being threatened in some way, you know, by the economy, by the disease, by, you know, the unrest in the world. Um, But in some way, our inner security is being threatened, which it isn't. Mm. So innocently, just quite innocently, our minds will go into the future to try to work out scenarios and plan things, to make backup plans, to make sure that we feel safe and that we know what's coming. A mind doesn't like it when it, when it doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. And this has been the most major example for the whole world of we don't know what's coming exactly you know we think that we live with knowing what tomorrow is going to bring and that's just a bit of a mind made up belief yeah absolutely not true we absolutely never know what's going to happen tomorrow during COVID-19 during race riots during you know tsunamis we never know what's coming during health diagnoses people dying we never know what's coming but our mind will love to try to know what's coming. Mm. 
So I would really encourage people when you're having, when you notice, so know that that's happening, know that's going to happen. And then just really noticing, seeing if you can wake up, notice when that's happening in you. And you'll know by the feelings because you'll be in some kind of icky feeling, anxious, fearful, scared. And then if you tune in, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I am thinking about what about if this, what about if that, what about my work, what about the mortgage? And you can just gently pull yourself back to what is here and what is now. Because what is here and what is now invariably is okay. We are okay. And the other thing I would love for people to reflect on is what I have really seen over this whole situation is that we are built for this. Human beings are built for this. We are built to adapt. We are built to change. We are built to grow. We are built to thrive no matter what. If you'd asked us to plan this, homestalling, work, you know, working from home, um, no buses, no trains or very few, you know, shopping from home. If we'd been asked to plan this, it would have taken five years. But we did it pretty much overnight because this is what we're built for. And we are also built to adapt to the new. So what I have seen is, where I'm sure a lot of people, there was shock, there was disbelief, there's lots of different emotions. And now people just, it's a bit like when someone dies or, you know, or like when I got divorced, you spend a lot of time in the initial shock and disbelief, but then you adjust. It just happens naturally. We don't have to do anything. That's the beautiful thing about being human. Naturally, we adjust. And we have adjusted to this. So whatever new normal we're in, whatever new normal we're going to be in, whatever happens, we're okay because we will, even if we don't like it, <laughs> which, you know, most people say, no, I'll go back, thanks. But we are built to adapt to this and we will change and we will grow. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. That's perfect. Uh, I think people find that really helpful to do things to reflect on. Mm. So, Lindsay, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you, Mm. how how would they do that? Uh, The best way to do that is via my website, which is www.lindsayelliot.co.uk. And you can send me an email from there. And yeah, I'd be happy happy to talk to anybody. Oh, it's really lovely to talk to you, Lindsay. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Marie. You've been listening to Precarious Parenting by Realisation Works. Subscribe to realisationworks.com to access more resources, including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.